The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Hey guys, and welcome back to Flourish and Fulfilled. Firstly, I just wanted to say like a massive thank you to each and every one of you for making this podcast possible. I feel so blessed to be able to not only have a voice, but share my life, my lessons and kind of like everything in between. And without your downloads, that would obviously not be possible. And even still after, I believe it's probably... Yeah, just a little bit over a year since launching Flourish and Fulfilled the podcast, I still get new reviews, which mean so much to me. And it's the reason that I can still be on here today. And so I'm just so, so grateful. And I still log in and read those reviews all the time. So if you haven't already left a review for the podcast, please do let me know what episode was your favorite and what you would like to hear more of. I would be forever grateful. Now, secondly, a huge thank you to today's sponsor, which is Lust Minerals. I've been a brand partner of Lust Minerals for about five years now, which, wow, it feels like such a long time. And I always reflect back using like the kids' ages. So the girls are six, nearly seven. And it was just after I had them that I discovered Lust Minerals and being able to have a product that doesn't sacrifice on quality or ingredients, but is also like reasonably priced and provides such good coverage is epic, especially coming from, I'm not going to call myself a cake face, but somebody that wears makeup every single day. It has changed my life by far. Now, my top two products with Lust um, is their brand new bee serum. Now this is so beautiful and also manufactured and created here and developed in Australia, which is yeah huge, especially for a beauty brand in a beauty industry. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite product. Second favorite is the stick foundation. So this is the foundation that I use every single day. It is full coverage. It still allows me to have that dewy look, but it covers any single like spots that you might have you can build it up as well. So you can have that light glow or you can have the full coverage look. Now, including today's episode, we are giving you guys $20 off your order over $50 using the code FLOURISH at the checkout. So head across to Lust Minerals and enjoy that little dissy. Now let's kick off today's episode with kind of like a tiny rant. And I actually feel like I've done this before. But I'm just going to do a little recap because it came up again and again and again. And every single time I do a Q&A box on Instagram, I, I get overwhelmed with the amount of questions about it. And I think it's really interesting from both sides of the party because I can see the inbox um, messages that I get back in relation to the way that I answer this and the amount of hurt and pain that is coming from people. Now, when I talk about the amount or huge response that I do get back, I'm talking hundreds of responses from women who are just like, thank you so much for actually um, responding in that way and sharing your voice in that manner. And that is are you going to have more kids? When are you going to have more kids? And the concept that a relationship will only be complete if you have kids together. Now, there's so many reasons that women and men decide or choose or select to not have kids. And many of those reasons are actually out of their control. And I cannot 
even begin to imagine having fertility issues or perhaps having multiple miscarriages and getting asked that question all the time. And so whenever I get asked that question, I will literally say, can we normalise not asking this regardless of if somebody is single in a relationship, their gender, whether they have kids or don't have kids. It's just something that is so unnecessary that I think we've created this social construct in relation to having to have children. There's a lot of people out there that have decided they don't want to have children, which is fine for them. And I do think that it adds so much additional pressure into people's lives when that question continuously comes up. Am I saying I don't want kids? No, definitely. Am I triggered by that question? Not in any way, shape or form. The only reason I answer in that way is because I know how many women out there are struggling at the moment and that question is so triggering for them also. Now, the other question that is interesting that I don't answer online, which is pretty much today's topic and summary, is in relation to my body fat percentage. Now, very early on in my social media lifespan, I, which was probably about 10, maybe 12 years ago, to be honest, I had a lot of women come to me that had eating disorders. And I was really intrigued in relation to how I could help support not only their journey, but also share what I was doing, comp prepping, nutrition without triggering them. And what I kind of found was that the common theme was that they would have an ideal weight or number associated with where they wanted to be. And they would see somebody online post say that they were, I'm going to use astronomical numbers here um, based on the fact that I don't want anybody to listen to this and think about that number. So that they would see somebody online who perhaps was 40 kilos. And at the time, body fat wasn't huge, right? So it was all about weight. So they would see somebody online and they were perhaps 40 kilos. And that was in their head that they wanted to be 40 kilos, not knowing that everybody holds fat in different areas. Everybody has a different height, body structure. There's so many different components to that figure or that um, number. And so what I was finding is that the more people that would come to me or be like, look, I'm really struggling with distorted eating, or I really want to be able to get leaner. And you could clearly tell that they did not need to be leaner. It was always this figure in their mind that they had associated with a picture or an image online. So I felt like all the way back then, it was a very big part of who I was as a person to help in a tiny little way to not share or continue somebody to look at me and associate my body fat percentage with my image in relation to what I was currently sitting at. And I have still to this day never shared that online. Now, the today's episode topic, I guess, is in relation to body fat, staying in condition year round and competitions. Now, there's so many comps on at the moment. And we've just come off the back of WBFF, IFBB, and hundreds, hundreds of people have competed in these shows recently. And so, of course, everybody's social media feeds have been flooded with all these comp spam. And it's been really interesting, I guess, from my perspective, 
doing comps for so many years and seeing the progression within certain federations or seeing the progression within different um, categories within federations as well. And I think for myself, starting out, I first ever competed uh, with IMBA and went all the way through to becoming IFBB Pro Bikini. And now seeing during COVID, having a couple years off, seeing the categories change so much has been really interesting to kind of sit back and reflect upon because competing for me is being happy in my skin all year round, not just for one day on stage. And that was always my biggest driver. It was to never look good for one day and then feel like crap for the rest of the year. It was to look good all year round and nail it on stage and have the most amazing time. And I think what I've really noticed is that the amount of size that so many IFBB bikini girls have actually had to put on or have put on perhaps due to the last two years of not competing has been huge. So at the moment where I currently sit, I would need to put on like five to 10 kilos of muscle to be competitive within the IFBB pro circuit. There are some very big bikini girls out there and I am, I've lost a lot of muscle. So you may remember, or you may be new here, I had three surgeries back to back to remove a lump from my right um breast and then subsequently my left implant had ruptured. So it meant going for three surgeries over the space of like four weeks and my body just was shot. And to be honest, it's been the most time off that I've ever had off training. It's been the longest recovery period that I've ever had and it's definitely been uh, really eye-opening of restarting and learning um, the movement patterns again of training and trying to get back underneath the bar of squatting and really trying to embrace being at square one once again. And it's been so difficult to have the energy again, find my routine and get back into that mind frame of starting again from scratch. And remember that well, you obviously maybe potentially don't know, you actually can't do any overhead stuff for about 12 weeks. So any upper body movements or anything that I was so used to doing, I was unable to do. And even now it's recommended that I don't do any pull-ups. And obviously pull-ups for me is such a easy way to track progression and being able to smash out 15 pull-ups before my surgery to now not even being allowed to do one just feels so sad, I guess. I just, I'm like, I'm so gutted that my training has had to change and pivot. And being 33, I don't feel like I'm that old, that I would still like to be able to push myself and uh, compete in different ways and be able to show that I can have progression in so many different areas without being able to do that. So that was been a really, really, really interesting thing for me. Now, the other thing is like, I've always made sure that I've kept videos of my progression because I think that's really important that we understand where we have been as well. And just after my surgeries, I did like some photos of the massive results that I had just before my surgeries and then after surgery and then in the last six months. And it's funny because online People have been like, you're comp ready as it is. Like you're so lean, you're this, you're that. And I think the big difference here is that you can be lean 
and you can be comp ready. And they are such big differences. So when it comes to competing, there's so many factors that are judged and it's not just about leanness or condition, but it's about symmetry. It's about your muscle bellies. It's about shape and size. It's about um, being in proportion with what category or federation you're actually competing in. Right now, yes, I'm lean. Am I comp ready? Hell no. I am nowhere near comp ready. So I just want to make that very, very, very clear. Now, the other thing is, is that it's become very apparent that I have always pushed that I am lean 24-7. I am able to have abs all year round. I am so proud of that. And I do believe that I put that down to being very smart when it comes to how we prepped last time. Now, I have spoken a little bit in relation to reverse dieting, but I just want to touch on that again in today's episode. So, In reverse dieting, so when you do compete, essentially you want to build your calories up as you are dieting so that your metabolism can adapt in very slow increments. Now, last time I competed, the lowest, and I'll say it again, the absolute lowest that my calories ever went was 2,200 calories and no cardio. As an IFBB pro, shredded on stage, no drugs, just nutrition, right? And so your metabolism is an adaptive organism. So the more carbs and fats that you can push in and stay at that conditioning, the better that it'll be. Now, when it comes to protein intake, unless you were to gain a lot of muscle in a very short period of time, Once you work out your protein intake, you don't actually have to change or alter your protein intake regularly. That kind of stays the same. So what your protein intake is for a daily requirement will usually stay around that same mark. Now, the other factors in here is you've got carbohydrates and fats. Now, with carbohydrates and fats, we like to push them up as much as humanly possible whilst maintaining condition right? So that is the key underlying factor here, whilst maintaining condition. Now for a female, especially as a a female, I'm just going to really reiterate that here, we need to have like 40 to 45 grams minimum, absolute bare minimum of fats per day. Uh, We actually require 30 grams of fat per day just for optimal brain function. And so if you are currently competing and you are literally eating broccoli and chicken, reassess your coach, number one. Uh, Number two is that if you do this properly, you can set yourself up for life of being able to maintain your physique. Now, after competition, what I did was I reverse dieted out so well. Now, when I say so well, in very slow increments, being able to slowly push in carbs and fats in a very careful, controlled manner without gaining body fat allows you to be able to eat your absolute ceiling shelf of food without gaining fat, right? And so this is what we tend to see in a traditional style of coaching or bodybuilding or bikini or whatever it looks like, is that you start with a coach or you don't start with a coach and you diet down. So you're going down, 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 down. And you might even end up on very low calories to the point where your body is actually now in like starvation, depletion mode, right? Then you compete and say, oh, hi, you just competed. Oh my goodness, this is epic. 
And then you're like binge eating because you haven't eaten any of the foods that you wanted for the last 12 or six weeks or however long you dieted for. And what happens is you might look good for two or three days because your body's like, oh, food. You get all vascular and you get a bit of a pump up and you're kind of like, oh, this is great. However, a week goes past and you've suddenly gained five or six kilos and then you've blown out. And then what happens is the spiral of your metabolism being like, what has happened to me? I don't know how to process. There's no consistency. You're kind of like, I've got no more goals in my mind. I'm not competing anymore. What do I do? And this is where the blowout happens for a lot of competitors. And they've already blown out five to six kilos. And it just continues on and on and on. Because unless they were to go back to that original lowest calorie intake amount and slowly reverse their way back out of comp, they will always blow out. Now, this is why flexible dieting for me changed the way that I was competing, prepping and living my life. Being able to go from having a structured meal plan or a set meal plan to flexible dieting meant that I didn't feel restricted. It meant that if I was craving chocolate, I could have chocolate. It meant that if I was craving eggs on toast, I could have eggs on toast. It also meant that nutritionally, I was able to still fulfill all of my micronutrient requirements because I was able to eat according to what my body was craving. And that's a big kicker here because if you're on the same meal plan every single day for six weeks, your body is not actually uh, meeting all of the micronutrient requirements that it does require um, every single day. So that's usually why some people blow out reverse dieting. So since being able to reverse diet out of comps, I reverse dieted very slowly and that is the key factor here. Did it mean that I didn't have a very great social life? Yes, but it has now set me up for great social life. So essentially I worked my way up to about three and a half or 3,300 calories and then maintained it that for a couple of months. And now I'm at a place where because I have reverse dieted so hard, I can eyeball food. Remember, I've done this for like 14 years now. So I can eyeball food and get a pretty good grasp of what I'm eating and making sure that I hit my protein requirements daily and maintain my physique to a fair level, give or take a couple of body fat percentage either way of what I would normally sit at. I don't fluctuate in weight a whole lot. The most that I would ever kind of sway is maybe three kilos off of stage weight. Um, And at the moment, I've definitely lost muscle mass because I haven't really been training since my surgeries. And so in relation to making sure that this is optimal, when you blow out, what happens to your hormones is essentially it's a roller coaster for your hormones. And then to be able to stabilize them is so much harder than going back to square one and reverse dieting out, allowing your hormones to regulate as you go and reverse diet back out. And so I really just want to stress here the emphasis on reverse dieting and making sure that the slow increments allows you to be able to set yourself up for life because I'm now at a point Uh, nutritionally and within my body that I don't have to uh, weigh or measure or track my food. And I know that my body's not going to fluctuate greatly. I can go to America for a week and it's fine. I know that as long as I'm moving my body in an enjoyable way and I'm eating foods that I genuinely love and and I'm craving, I don't binge eat. I'm not um, blowing out. I'm not uh, sacrificing my social life. And I eat a whole balanced diet, which is 
absolutely epic when it comes to um, competitors or ex-competitors. Now, an average day on the plate for me, which is a question that I get asked all the time, it varies a lot, but I'll just kind of run through what yesterday's day looked like to kind of give you an example of what it would be at the moment. Uh, So the first thing that I had in the morning was a coffee. I had oats, I had a smoothie, and then I had a banana. Went to the gym and trained. I then had an apple and smashed avo. Here here I am literally telling you my my love life for food. Um, I actually had yesterday for lunch kind of like a breakfast wrap and it had, um, it was from Rafiki, is that how you say it? It's um, like this cute little place in along like the Esplanade near where I live. And I had like a brekkie wrap with the best sauce that you've ever had and eggs and spinach and yeah, absolute vibes. I had that for lunch. I actually had another coffee. I then in the afternoon had a slice of banana bread, another smoothie. So I just added in some berries and stuff. Um, And then for dinner last night, we had couscous, chicken and hummus. And then I actually had a ice cream bowl with ice magic and nuts in it for dessert. So that's an example of a traditional, typical day in the life, average day on the plate of what I do eat. And it's funny because it was only a couple of days ago that I had somebody comment on my photo and was like, you are so unhealthily skinny. You are such a bad role model for young women. And she was slamming me. And I was like, I eat so much food. I am always on here preaching to you guys to eat more food. In order for you to fuel your body and fuel your workouts and build muscle, you must eat the food. It has to be the right portions and percentages of food, 100%. However, once you reverse diet out, essentially, unless you were to go and diet all the way back down again and have to restart that process, you will be able to maintain your physique very, very easily being able to eyeball your food from then on out. As long as you have reverse dieted out very, very carefully and stuck to that for quite a few months, it'll be a lot easier for you. Now, the other thing is, and I'm reiterating here again, comp conditioning versus lifestyle conditioning, very different things. So very, very, very different things. And also bodybuilders versus average Joe is so different as well. There is no way that Nath could compete um, live year year round with the body fat percentage that he competes at. No way. Um, That is a very short period of time. And if you are talking in relation to reverse dieting a bodybuilder, the bump up straight out of those calories is always a bigger jump than say a bikini competitor because you would never have to get to that lower body fat percentage, um, which is a very short period of time because it is such a low body fat percentage versus bikini and bikini competitors. So I hope that makes enough sense with that. I'm literally talking with my hands and it's a podcast so you can't see my hands. So next thing I wanted to chat about was cardio versus weights and why weights are more beneficial when it comes to being able to track your food, get leaner and just my whole thoughts on that. So when it comes to dieting down for an event or competition or a special, yeah, a special event or whatever it might be, a wedding, whatever that looks like for you, a lot of people think I'm going to have to do a whole lot of cardio to be able to get leaner. Now, nutrition controls your body fat, weights control your muscle shape and size, and cardio controls your cardiovascular health. 
So let's put those into three separate categories. Now, when it comes to cardio, cardio is the best possible thing to keep up your sleeve until the absolute last minute if you are competing or dieting for an event. Now, the reason being is that we can control your body fat with nutrition, but if you're already doing an hour or two hours a day of cardio and we have pulled your nutrition as low as we feel comfortable, where is there to go other than adding in more cardio on top of that? So imagine a baseline of somebody doing, say, an hour a day of cardio or walking for an hour a day or running for an hour a day, whatever that looks like, and then trying to compete or get to an event and their nutrition being as low as possible. So we're not, we're not comfortable to pull them any lower with their calories or their food or their percentage intake. And we essentially would have to put on more cardio to that additional cardio that they're already doing. So the baseline of cardio or their metabolic output then changes, right? So you imagine you have a client that comes to you and they're not doing any cardio, they're not doing any weights and they're not tracking their food. Ideal client. How good is that, right? So essentially you go, cool. I know for a fact the moment that I structure their nutrition, they're going to change their body composition. At the moment I add in weights, they're going to change their body composition. They're going to build muscle. They're going to get stronger and therefore they're going to get leaner, right? And then you keep cardio up your sleeve. Now, this is an exception in relation to somebody who perhaps loves to run or enjoys to run or that's their rowing or bike riding or however it is. My ultimate, ultimate above everything else is do whatever the fuck makes you happy and whatever you enjoy doing. If you love that and that's your stress release, go and do it. I will never stop you from doing it. Sometimes I love to go for a run and I definitely do, although I've probably been for three runs this year. So I'm not a great runner. However, if you love it and do it for enjoyment, please do it for enjoyment, but don't do it for the benefits in relation to getting leaner. So essentially you put somebody on a new nutrition plan and a weights program and you leave the cardio up your sleeve as a wild card. And once you have them at a position for them to essentially be almost stage ready or comp ready, and you're struggling to be able to pull them leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner, then you add in 10 minutes a day of cardio and see what happens. And it's all a balance and it's all trial and error to see how somebody's body responds. But if they're already doing the hour a day of cardio, it becomes an hour and 10 minutes a day of cardio. So making sure that there's the consistency, the variables of being able to change it, it's all a science and a very fine art of being able to play around with that. However, if it was a simple question of would you suggest weights or cardio, it would always be weights because it builds muscle, therefore makes you leaner. Builds muscle, makes you stronger, equals getting leaner. So there you go in in relation to the whole cardio versus weights. Now, for the current BOD program, the BOD challenge, there's so many in the app that you can choose from or select from. And I'm, I'm often asked, what is the best program for getting leaner? Every single program that I would create has the exact same goal in mind of getting stronger, building more muscle and being leaner. That is the whole process of the exercise journey. It's the whole process of changing somebody's metabolic output, changing their body composition. That is the entirety of it. I definitely change it up with fun exercises or different timings or different training structures. But at the end of the day, the underlying progression is always there to be able to have that same result. Now, the program that I follow 
is always the bod and always the programming in the bod. I do vary it between the six week and the 12 week, depending on what it looks like for me. Now at the moment, being able to really struggle to get back into the gym, I am changing up my training quite a bit and I am adding in a lot of group sessions. As I mentioned before, I went for a run. So there is different things for me where it's more like a mental barrier that I'm having to break through. And I feel like after training consistently, how old is Kai? He's just turned 15. So training consistently for 14 years has essentially just meant that I turned my hobby or passion into work. And then it became harder for me to be motivated or do it for the enjoyment factor. And so my training for me has always been my me time. It's the the time that I get on my own. It's the time where I don't have to be a mum. I don't have to care for anybody. I'm simply just there doing the best with myself. And it's been really interesting going into a group environment and being able to push myself in different ways or being able to train with other people and I'm really kind of enjoying the variety at the moment and I definitely will never like poo-poo somebody else's training style or um, different programming and I I love learning from different people and I'm always open to learning from different people. And so for me, having a variety of training in my life right now is amazing and so, so, so great. Uh, In relation to how I stay lean all year round, this is just my perspective, my opinion, my expertise. So that's a whole thing in relation to this episode. Now, the other thing that I just want to recap is it doesn't have to be hard. If you're struggling with your training or you're struggling with your nutrition, it's not right for you. Now, there isn't a one size fits all for everybody. And whilst I'm saying what works for me and what has worked for my clients and that I know how much flexible dieting changed my life, it might still not be right for you. And it is really important that you understand and find what works for you and know that it is the right option for you because it shouldn't be hard. It should be so enjoyable. You should want to do it. You should know your underlying reasons as to why. You should want to progress and push yourself because you know in your heart that that is the right thing for you and for your progression and you're actually genuinely excited and enjoying it and you're looking forward to training and you're looking forward to your next meal and you're absolutely satisfied in relation to the foods you're eating and the way that you're training and all of those different things. So it doesn't have to be hard. If it's hard, it is not the right fit and not the right programming for you. So that is definitely my number one take home that I really want you guys to 100% embody and embrace that if it is hard, it might not be the right fit for you. So please, please, please keep going until you find the right fit for you and what that looks like for you. If you haven't already headed across to the BOD app and checked it out, it essentially has like everything that you need and the BOD app, far out the BOD app, I don't even know where to start in relation to the BOD app, but the BOD app has cost over $1.3 million to build. So that's fun for my bank, but I'm so proud of it and there's no other app on the market like it. It's just taken me a fucking long time to get there, but Essentially, start to finish, it will work out your calories and macros for you. It has a flexible dieting option in there. You can add all of your recipes into your flexible dieting section. It also has set meal plans according to your macros and individual customized macros. Um, It has a trackable weight section 
And then it has all of your training programs, which change according to your 1RM maxes. It has functional training sessions. It has exercise ideas. Uh, it has everything that you could possibly ever need in relation to how I eat, how I train. Um, and yeah, I, I can honestly hard on my sleeve say that there is not another app out there because I have integrated all of the best features into this app. Um, and it definitely has like my whole heart and soul and programming into it. So if you do want to check that out, that is just the bod. Um, and it's the bod underscore on Instagram as well. So we always try and give back as much value and information and be able to help as much as I humanly possibly can, knowing that I have been in the industry for so long and knowing that I have seen, and I know for myself, I have had coaches put me on really bad diets and I have blown out and I've seen it happen time and time and time again. And so if that is resonating with you and it is feeling like that, then definitely please, please look into reverse dieting. Um, and yeah, head over to the BOD app, um, to the BOD underscore for Instagram and we'll always try and give back as much value and content as humanly possible. Or alternatively, just reach out to me on my Instagram, um, which is just obvious, obvious it's not obvious, but Sophie underscore Gwidolin. Um, and I'm always happy to be able to help or um, point you in the right direction as well. But it's, yeah, it's really, really, really important to me. And I don't think that it has to be hard. So I hope that gave you guys a little bit of an overview in relation to how I stay lean all year round, because it's definitely not something that is my forefront focus uh, for me right now. I'm not competing. I'm not um, heavily invested in my training or my training goals. And I do think that's a really important factor is that when you're having fun doing something or when you're really motivated towards doing it, your body will then follow. So finding what's really enjoyable for you and what works for you is 100% the key here. Once again, I just want to thank today's episode sponsor, Lust Minerals. Don't forget, you can get $20 off your order over $50 using the code FLOURISH at checkout, which is just lustminerals.com.au. If you want to get involved or have any other questions, please head across to the closed Facebook group, Flourish and Fulfilled, or on Instagram, Flourish and Fulfilled. I'll chat to you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>